0: Joey, boy, don't be tense to chase with me here. I was brick. The referee was absolutely shocking. Subscribe now to the OTB Rugby podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts
1: or get the entire OTB catalogue on the OTB Sports app. Welcome again, everybody to the podcast where we try and scratch a little below the surface of coaching and try and find ways where we can all do it better. As a reminder, I set up this podcast for two main reasons, I suppose. The first being to try and provide some kind of thoughtful debate for coaches at a time when we can't be on the field or in the gyms with our players. And it's a good time to seek out new knowledge, and new information to improve our own craft. And then secondly, and probably most importantly, to try and raise some much needed funds for Temple Street Children's Hospital. Uh, I've mentioned before in the podcast where I had a I had a young lad who spent a couple of weeks up there shortly after he was born, so I have first hand experience of the of the kind of incredible work that they do through their doors. Again, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has donated to the fundraiser so far and and also to those people who continue to share it around on social media or on WhatsApp. Uh, It just increases the reach and increases the amount of people that listen to the podcast and inevitably the the, the more people that listen, the more people that tend to donate. So uh, it's very much appreciated that that help every week. Um, And also... The link to the fundraiser is, is below in the podcast description or you'll find it on my, on my Twitter page at my Quirk. Um, and again, everything that's raised it goes directly to Temple Street. Nobody's getting paid or any money for doing any of these. So um, it's all going to a very, very worthy cause. Okay, so on to this week's guest. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to say that that uh, we've got Derek McGrath to talk in the next hour or so. Uh, I, I heard Derek, the former Waterford hurling manager, speak a number of years ago at a coaching conference in Croke Park. And I was just blown away by by his you know enthusiasm and his philosophy of coaching. And uh, the way he wanted to speak about players and talk about coaching was was something that I, I, uh, I really took a lot from. And, and I think for coaches of all sports, there's a huge amount in the next hour. That, uh, that you can take and, and implement into your own coaching moving forward. Uh, if you enjoy it again make sure you like it or write a review. I always love to hear the feedback and what people think every week so uh, sit back and, and enjoy the listen. So Derek, maybe just for, for people that aren't familiar with you or, or, or where you've been, would you mind just giving us a kind of a brief description maybe of, uh, you know, when you were a player and then onto onto the coaching side of things? I suppose I um, um, started off playing, I suppose, as a young lad, like everyone else,
0: with St Saviours, actually Hurling Club. We kind of very uh, working class area of Waterford City. Um, and... Bit of a teenage prodigy, I suppose. I played three, actually played four years minor with Waterford, and um, four right. years under twenty-one. But never, never really made it. Then as a senior, probably into the category one of those guys that you know underage flourishing career. But I only played two senior championship matches with Waterford. I was on the panel there from uh, ninety. Actually played played as a minor against Offaly, we're all Ireland champions. I actually played as a minor in the senior league back then. The league was actually on in October, so just things didn't the right way. Played in a minor all Ireland final in 92 um, against Galway. Actually, marked me all I don't know for a few minutes of that match. Um, nice. But no, it, yeah, probably a bit of, and then, would you believe, in 1996 then, or sorry, in 1995 um, there was a little bit of a split in our own club and, and 25 or 26 was left the club. Um, I joined De La Salle then, so I kind of was, I've been in De La Salle then since, since, um, you no, know, since I'm 20 years of age, I suppose, and I loved it there in the club and played with the club then for 20 odd years as senior hurling and then managed to kind of, I got I won a couple of Fitzgibbons along the way as well. So, but never really kind of fulfilled the promise I suppose that I had at underage. I had a tendency to put on a bit of weight and, uh, you know, probably didn't persevere as much as I could. and probably took the soft option down in college, played at Fitzgibbon and. Socialise a bit more than I probably should, and eat a bit more bad stuff than I should, and, <laughs> and maybe 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 the easy life a little bit. But you know, I kind of went down the you know the teaching route and into the coach fairly early then, as as a kind of a as I was playing senior herd at the club. So kind of had a love and an interest for coaching because of the link with the with the with the teaching, I suppose, and the natural kind of. Alignment with the teaching career, I suppose.
1: You know. Yeah, and and you're 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 teaching in Dallas, and How, I know, now with COVID and everything. How how is all that going now? Like online lessons and the kids, even. How, how are they how are they managing with with that whole different environment now?
0: Yeah, well, look, I, I actually I read an article by Colin O'Rourke at the weekend about about schools in general and and. I would have found the lads were very demotivated when they came back in September. Like, you know, muted obviously because of the masks and etc. But when you take away, and I was actually in a conversation with my best friend there, a guy called Dermot Dooley, who was actually, his brother-in-law is actually Declan Quill. Uh, he's uh, Declan Quill, he's actually married. But, yeah, Ricky, but right. I was in a conversation with him this morning uh, about um, when you take the, the games away from the boys at school, when you take the choir away, when you take the school show, when you take all those things that are extracurricular it's just a different environment. And I think it's it's given us made us realise, I suppose, how important they are to a, to a holistic development in school, especially. But so it's been different environment. The boys have been trojans in terms of what they've tried to do, but it's just not ideal that they're in front of a screen all day and, and you know, and, and no more than any other teacher. <clears throat> I would have found that I was giving them nearly too much work and I wasn't getting the balance right between allowing them some kind of space to even revise or study or plan mm. and I think we I think we've you know I think we've realized that you know just as teachers in general so uh, this midterm break should be good for them in terms of a bit of space to have a, have a you know, do a bit of exercise. And have a bit
1: of balance. Yeah, life, you know? yeah. And hopefully, with the weather improving and everything, it'll be a little bit easier on everybody. And you know, March. If we, if we can get back into schools and different things in March, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of progress. But maybe just you, and you you probably alluded to it already with the teaching link. But what was it? You know, that that drew you, I suppose, to that the coaching side of things. First day, Derek. Was it was it purely the teaching, or, or had you been as a player? Had you that kind of you know, that mindset of 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 as a coach, as a player in, in one sense, or, or where did that come from?
0: Yeah, well I suppose in, without without hanging anyone out to dry, I suppose there was times when you're a player and you're probably down the down the tail end of a panel at inter-county level and you're kind of maybe that there wasn't huge inclusivity. And I know when you mentioned inclusivity, you think people think you haven't you haven't the rootlessness needed to kind of achieve or anything, but I think you know, if I hadn't been managed by myself over the years, I might have been... I might have made... You know, I might have made it. You know, you know I think there was kind yeah. of a... There was a kind of a feeling that... You know, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen type thing. Back yeah. like in the you know, early 90s, kind of. You know, late 90s even. You know, where... where, where now, now, in fairness to Jerry McCarthy came into Waterford in 98 and he was very fair. Firm but fair. Brilliant man-manager and... Great way with people. And he gave me a right chance at it. Like, maybe I wasn't good enough as well, but I, I suppose the insecurity of not quite making it kind of allows you to kind of arc yourself into another area and you have the kind of, then you're performing really well with the club and your confidence levels are up. And then that combined with, as I said, the natural kind of, if I was in charge, I might do this, I might have, you know, you have kind of epiphany moments where you kind of say, Jesus, I make sure that he's, he feels part of it. He has a role, you know, even, even traditionally going back to, you know, even yourself in terms of the, the, the big man that you are, you know, put him in full forward. I even think in terms of the deviation or how things have changed. You know, I would have always played at 11 over the years with Waterford, you know, minor teams, and I'd be five foot nothing. Like, and, and there was just a feeling even in the 90s, you need a big man for the half-hour. You, you know, whereas I think that's evolved you now. You see the Podge Collinses of the world. You see the Shawnee McGraths of the world back even in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Things have kind of changed, I think, for the better in terms of we're not pigeonholing people as much, and I think mm. that's—I—I I would have kind of come to that conclusion, I suppose, even back, you know, when I was playing, I would have said, jeez, I wouldn't pigeonhole him." So I think, you know, I was—I—I—I I, I began thinking about that, I suppose, the whole time, and I said, "Geez, if I got the chance, I might do A, B, or C." And look, then you'd be reading a bit about it, but you're trying to—you're still trying to be, you know, have underpinning principles that are kind of normal and ordinary, and trying to balance them out with evolving at the same time, you know, without, without thinking, you know, everything. I think that's the most important.
1: Yeah, and and even going back going back a little before that, the, the, what was it that kind of had you falling in love with the game initially? You know, was was it coaches? Was it a family influence, or, or or was it was it just what it was in in Waterford at the time? No, I think it was probably
0: first of all parents, I suppose. My my my, you know, I, I would have lived in a very oh god, not conservative household, but you know, a kind of a strong traditional Catholic household, and and you know, the link between the GA and Catholicism, I suppose, was huge, you know, it was just, that was the game to play. Without being old school, it was just, mm-hmm. we had to play the hurling, and, you know, they evolved over the years. Like, I, I, I actually wasn't allowed to play soccer, would you believe in? in really? You know, when I, was, <laughs> when I was younger. You know, I just, I wasn't allowed you know, I played it in school, in terms of the, out the streets and that, but I, you know, the, the, the parents wouldn't have been, wouldn't have kind of, you know, I wouldn't have been keen on me playing a bit of soccer. But, you know, look, I snuck a couple of matches over the years. And, um, you know, I, I remember having to avoid photographers and that kind of stuff with regards to the, for the local papers and that. But look, I'm painting a picture of my parents. that that, that That's not very endearing. But they're, <laughs> actually, they're actually the opposite. They were very, very... They just they felt that was the logical thing to do. Kind of, rather than being kind of jack-of-all-trades, being master of one. But, look, I ended up not being master of one, I suppose, in terms of if you want to measure success by playing with Waterford for 10 years. I only played three or four years. So, um, But yeah, I, I kind of love it from the parents. You know, My father actually passed away three weeks ago. Now my own dad, he was sick after 12 weeks. So no one 12 so, No, no, not at all. But I think a bit of perspective there from even his death in the last few weeks that how much he actually did for me and how much he taught me as a to even dealing with people and just being a bit more kind of, you know, being able to kind of regulate yourself and almost being able to kind of be you know, being able to kind of hold back at times, you know, mm. being able to kind of say, No, don't don't take the bait, don't bite. Mm. And I think that that was kind of very prominent over the years where I had a kind of as I said, a flourishing underage career and I would have been the target of kind of expectancy and kind of other clubs when I was younger. And he would have been great for just enabling you to deal with that kind of stuff without kind of, you know, sneering back or jeering. And I think that that stands in good stead when you go into coaching, that that kind of influence of mm-hmm. parents and then of course you have mentors from a young age in your own club a guy called Billy O'Neill brilliant to me real kind of great talking kind of attitude towards things but brilliant, brilliant mentor and my primary school teachers and look when I went into secondary school I went into De La Salle my own school that I'm teaching in and I um, I was probably the only student from the area where I was living in, in De La Salle College and the brothers kind of took me under their wing you know okay. Kerry brother actually, brother Tim O'Shea from from came here. He's actually celebrating his 90th birthday this week. So he right. he kind of just looked after me, you know. And I got I got I was employed there for the summers actually. You know, I mean, I was painting there for the summer. So it's almost seen as the poor boy from from you know. To, to, and I looked after him in a very very caring way. And, and I never actually did an interview for my job in mental psychology, to believe when I was doing my H. The brothers rang me to tell me there was a job there for me. And so. I... <laughs> Nepot- nepotism and pulling probably <laughs> not there anymore. It's not, it's there. No, there's some know, hate, hate Look, I, 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 it. I never, I never kind of, I never kind of took advantage of it either. You know, I kinda, yeah. I, I was always appreciative of it. Mean, I still am
1: yeah there's going to be some HR department now making calls to, to, to find out what was going yeah. on yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but
0: yeah, yeah. we
1: were just I, I, wanted to, I wanted to you know get into the the, the the nuts and bolts of the coaching side of it and and I, I heard you speaking in Croke Park at, at a coaching conference a number of years ago um and you spoke about the, the, the idea of optimising the me and the we. And uh, I thought it was a fascinating talk at the time. And I, I'd love just maybe to touch on a little bit of that stuff, if, if you don't mind, and just to bring it to people that will be listening. Because I'm conscious, obviously, here there's people from... You know basketball or football or rugby or every kind of a sport but those things aren't aren't in any way uh, specific to hurling they're 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 specific to coaching and 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 to everybody that's involved at that kind of level so um could you could you just talk a little bit about about that so, you know if you don't have to go into massive detail but just in, in into into that whole concept that you your your kind of philosophy is based on i suppose yeah look i, I think it's a uh, well you know when i hear the word philosophy you're
0: right like but i i always kind of think that it's a kind of a constant search, like, you know, for, for what to do right, you know. So say mm. take the cold, the cold hard world of business or, or sport at the level that you're at at the moment, even in, in terms of or the level that I was at with Waterford, where there's an expectancy from yourself and there's an expectancy from board and there's expectancy from supporters and there's a certain pressure that goes with it. So you, you know, if you were to start with the measuring of success then and you kind of said, Right, how do you measure or what does it look like? And in sporting circles. No, like I, I, I lost, I think we were in five finals when I was manager. We lost four of the five finals, you know. And, and then in the cold world of sky sports analysis, you're kind of, you know, it's 20% win rate, I suppose. But the idea of journey and, and the idea of learnings along the way, you know, they, they don't impress some people, you know. They, they mightn't. Mm. But I began to kind of come to terms with those, not in a this way. And I think that's where the whole me and we comes in, where you're actually, you feel your, 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 Right, you immerse yourself in something and it doesn't become all about you either because there's a danger if it does that ego becomes egotism. So there's a balance there to be struck. So you immerse yourself in it. You do it with absolute honesty and integrity and you do it also with good people around you that are advising you, helping you and the players become part of that process. And then I feel it becomes we then because you you go on the journey and you, you take the peaks and troughs of of the bad days and the good days. You know, a monster final of 2016, you know, being beaten by 20 points by Tipperary and, you know, you, you turn on the local radio the next day, you turn on, you deal with all those downs and then you go at it again and you, you persevere, if you like. And you, and I think if you can, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of a Masters in, in, in Psychology myself at the moment at UTC and I just, I found, and, I, and the reason I'm bringing this in, now, I'll probably going on a tangent, is, is it's it's I found it hard to get to that stage where I'm accepting of 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 that kind of you don't have the cup at the end of the journey you know mm-hmm. what I mean and, and get that success so I'm kind of I'm at odds with that I suppose because ultimately like we want to claim, win but satisfaction that you get from your like like I was involved with East Miners last year right yeah we, we, we put a huge effort into the whole year and then we bombed on the day of the match and. You're kind of saying Jesus, so yeah, the first analysis is of yourself as a coach, like in business. I'd imagine when you have a, a bad day, you kind of say, Jesus, I what do I need to do myself? Did I impart the message right? So you do the first bit of analysis yourself, and yet then when you when you take the helicopter view, as I think Owen Red was calling it on TV 3 at the weekend, I was caught, you know, that you kind of say, Well, right, there's a bigger picture here, I suppose. And have you created, you know, what, what I think your man Damien Hughes calls it in his book. Cultural architects, which is people that can influence other people to change things, and I think that's a. So I'm I'm coming towards kind of the the bigger picture, you know, and coming towards the bigger picture. So I think the we is the bigger picture, bringing people with you with empathy with, but also with the pursuit of excellence, so that you can Mm. have emotion and logic side by side, so you can immerse yourself emotionally in it, and it looks like it's taking its effect on you, but when emotion kind of you no, know, when, when when emotion kind of balances out, like you, you do things logically as well. So there's time. Mm-hmm. I would argue that in coaching, there's room for emotion and logic, and and that they're not kind of separate kind of entities. And I think that's important. You know, I think that's that's where I see the importance, in it. and that's where you know, in, in my time away from it, at the level you were at, I, I'd be very very hardened to that attitude if I went back into it. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a big paradigm shift for people that. That you can, you it it depends on your measure of success. Like, and obviously, at inter-county or, or elite sport or big business or whatever, it's about it's about results ultimately. And you you mentioned you know one one victory out of five finals, and that's the way it, it will be analysed in that way. Um, but like that that idea of of you can be successful, you know by 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 taking that holistic view of, of what you're doing and, and by bringing players with you and especially if we're talking down the chain to a minor team or 16s or 14s or club stuff where you have coaches who are influencing the lives of young people moving forward that, that's going to be far more impactful than whether you won an under 14 county championship or under 16 county championship and and and, and like if, if we could get to that kind of a place that you're talking to it's, it's obviously a very positive and healthy place for, for youth sport across the board isn't it? Yeah and I think you know,
0: again, I'm going to preface it by saying I think we're not forgetting about the ability or the capacity for someone to experience winning and losing either, you know, or, or the pursuit of excellence. They're not going to, you know, like we in school, for instance, sometimes we put up a panel, we include everyone in the panel and it's inclusivity, but there's still going to be a point where the conversation takes place. I think it's what it is. It's prepping the people for those conversations so that the feedback is imparted in a manner where it's not like, well, fake Mike Kirk now for saying that or... Derek McGrath was saying, like, and, and there's learnings along the way. I remember, you no, know, calling uh, the panel at the end of 2015 in Waterford or 2014, having had an horrendous year, and I've got, you know, omitted 10 or 11 guys, giving them only 20 seconds or 30 seconds in a phone call. I said, please, that was horrendous how I dealt with it. So I think it's those messages or those learnings, I suppose. And look, even I have a very good mentor, actually, a really good mentor, Tom Brinett, who's actually a leashman. You might know Tom. Tom's a leashman, and Tom Gopp is kind of central to my involvement with, with Leech Miners over the years because he's uh, he's based in Waterford, a hugely successful uh, businessman over the years. But has this humility and this ability to kind of learn on the spot and constantly searching for learnings and you know, and, and his influence on me in terms of just where he's focused my mindset over the last two years has just been huge, even around the whole area of the neuros... You have, hear people talking about the growth mindset. I say, oh, I don't know, what does it mean, a fixed mindset, growth mindset? But he actually recommended a brilliant podcast to me um, by a fellow called Dr. Andrew Huberman. It's called The Neuroscience of Winning, right? And again, I might... I've gone on a tangent here now, but it's What's just for it? me. What what I, what I often find in a panel or in a, in a business or in a group, you have diversity. So you have a thing called cognitive diversity. you probably read the book Renewable Ideas by Matthew Sye where you have this idea in the group there, someone presents this idea and he said, Jesus, you know what? There's something in that. So, the neuroscience of winning, winning, this guy called Andrew Huberman, he talked about the science behind the growth mindset. So in other words, the fact that if we take the here and now, like, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, the life that my father gave me, 71 years of age, died of lung cancer later on the 2nd of January. And I'm so grateful. So for the here and now, you have gratitude, you have love of your dog, you have all those things which secrete and again, I'm no scientist, but I read about it and I study it, oxytocin or serotonin, and it, it's just for people that you might have on your panel that are mechanically minded. There might be someone in your group that likes data, they like stats, they like science. Or other people might like emotion and fist pumping and all that kind of stuff. So the other one, then the interesting one, is the, the secretion of dopamine. And Huberman argues that when dopamine is secreted, so so in the pursuit of something, so say, for instance, Mike Quirk gets the winning point in order and find it he's elated, he's, he's given it to Donaghy down the down the banks of the what do you think, Joe Broly, he's given it all that he's just unbelievable but the argument put forward by Huberman is that in pursuit of your goal that dopamine is secreted and you know, and, and it actually hardwires your brain forces neuroplasticity to take place so that if you have a disappointment that when you go back it's actually hardwired so that you learn from the experience so some people like to hear the scientific break of. Yeah. off of the growth mindset and I, I remember actually very good and, and the, other, the other interesting thing is that you're you're putting a massive effort into something and persevering at something you're, you're secreting adrenaline in the pursuit of that effort you know in that effort and he said that he says and he argues that and the studies reveal that um, dopamine is actually secreted and it buffers adrenaline so like I remember in 2017 we in 2017 we beat Kilkenny for the first time in and since 1959, right, and, and it was just, before the match, we were in this dressing room, it was kind of a never, no, never, never kind of moment in Taurus, mm. and the, the, the dressing was hopping, they were electric with kind of energy and mm. adrenaline, you know, and yeah. whatever way I looked in the middle of the dressing room, our bus driver was smoking a cigarette <laughs> I'm through the huddle of our, our dressing, right? This big cloud of smoke, it was like, it reminded me of Sid's Cafe in, in Hellboy, Only Fools and Horses. You know when you're getting the fry handed out to you and there's ashes nearly on the fry. So the point I'm making, I suppose, is that the, the kind of, the adrenaline, the dopamine resulted in this humorous kind of outbursts of laughter from all these Kevin Moore and Philip Manny and Tig the Porky, they just started bursting out laughing. And the humour kind of brought the mood down to what's needed. So that, that, can me, the point I make it, I suppose, is when I hear Huberman talking technically and scientifically about adrenaline and dopamine, I kind of say, Jesus, that was like the time when humour can act as this release valve.
1: Uh-huh. You know,
0: and I think fun, that's what we talk about. You thought the original question before I went off on this massive tangent was, <laughs> you know, no, the, the fun element of yeah. the enjoyment element mm-hmm. of it for people when they're growing up from kids and the influence we can have. So I think if we can find a simple way of explaining, explaining things mm-hmm. with anecdotes to support it, it just makes it so easier for everyone to come on the one hymn sheet. But I do think that has started over the last year and a half, two years. It really yeah. does. Yeah.
1: And, and and it needs to and it needs to happen, and and that's a big part of the reason that youth sport all over the world struggles for for numbers when they get past 12 13 14 years of age that um, maybe maybe that success is being quantified in in trophies and, and titles as opposed to you know like the the the, the pursuit or the journey as, as you talk about it yeah. um, just from your, your experience as well Derek, just the the difference maybe between coaching and managing you know, would you would you obviously with the leash the miners at the moment you're doing a lot of the, the coaching side of it and obviously with Waterford, you were you were you were the manager and different things, but maybe just talk a little bit about, about the 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 you know the the contrasting sides of, of that deal. Yeah, and I, I
0: again I put my head on the block there and kind of say that I wouldn't really kind of go along with the fact that there's you know if you take the rugby model, I suppose, with the head coach, mm. i.e. Andy Farrer, coach, Smith over the years, and you had, I think it's, I think it's Carney, I can't think it's right, first name, I think Michael Carney, because it has, I was the original manager of Ireland, in terms of logistically, operation, and kind of everything, um, organisation of, you know, travel, logistics, all that mm. kind of stuff. Uh, over the years, even though Dan Shanahan was our kind of head coach, head skills coach, I would have had a huge input into the actual training, and I like that, you know, mm. I even read about, Two shell now in Chelsea, where he takes kind of a hands-on role. And yeah. you read subsequently about Alex Ferguson, who just arrived and left McLaren and Carlos Queiroz, and all those yeah. kind of take it. So I think there's room for a mix and match. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if I were to get involved and get, again, I, I would certainly I'd like to be you know a manager, but I think I could kind of probably compartmentalize some some of the duties associated with management and almost appoint them to another um, area if the GA allowed it, if they weren't going to, <laughs> if, yeah. they, if they're not going to, if they're not going to bloody tone down on, on, on the backroom teams now, they seem to be hitting hard on, on the backroom teams, but look, that's another obvious discussion, but um, yeah, I think to answer your question, I suppose, I think, um, yeah, I'd still like to have an input into, into the strategy of how the team plays, sets up, you know, even, even, you know, to get the coach to kind of say, how, how are you going to present that tonight? It sounds a bit dictatorial, which I wouldn't be, but I, I think if you know your squad and your staff, well enough and I, I don't even like using the word staff sounds like a bloody but if you know <laughs> the people you're working with well enough you kind of say how, yeah. how are you going to do that and then I, I present to them as well how I'm going to do it and they might pick holes in mine as well so it's not it's not a I say it's not a one way street but I think it's yeah. I think it's room for, for both kind of you know duties of both if you like to be kind of because I, w- I would have operated over the years with no real hard and fast and kind of you know kind of you know demarcation lines you know I'm kind of just Try and have this big body of people uh, inputting, and and they know what their place. Then, without kind of, you know, being dictatorial, if yeah. the environment is right, they feel really part of it, and then they love the opportunity to express an opinion about something. You know.
1: Yeah, and and talk to me about that environment. How how do you how do you create that? How you go about creating that environment where where they do feel free enough to to express an opinion if they have one.
0: Yeah, I think I think it takes time. I think very obvious things that have to be built up like trust and I think you have to show the example first of all that you care and, and simple things practical nature that is kind of punctuality follow ups follow on calls you know making sure that you're you're up at it that you're you know if it's the video analysis department if you like that you're, you're you've are you been the first to kind of look at it to kind of, you know that you're not just talking about something that you know that, that you haven't seen or watched so showing genuine care and concern and I suppose openly admitting when you get things wrong and without losing power, if you like, I don't mean power, power is the wrong word, without losing the kind of balance of where you need to be as as the perceived leader of the group, if you like, so building up trust, um, a real strong work ethic and a good bit of clarity from the start of when, when you start working with these people, it's, you know, you know, again, I was in discussion with, with with Dermot, my mate, this morning. We're talking about the three collective sessions per week. But you know, in terms of the GAs, decision, they, they maybe to go at that. I'm saying, geez, what if a team are are psychologically, you know, at a low ebb and and you feel you need to push them more? And I mean, and also the message that perhaps it's not out there as much as I like to see, where the boys actually thrive on being being together and the happiness comes from being together under the tutelage of a manager that cares for them. And, this is their life, this is their, when they're not socialising, they're coming together and they can actually enjoy training, they can enjoy the whole process. But I think sometimes this demonic kind of, kind of, you know, presentation of a manager has been, you know, kind of, you know, dictatorial and ruining their lives and, and making sure that they're they're kind of almost robotic. is I don't think that's, I don't think that's as as, as true as people kind of create that image and I'd be kind of, I'd be strong on, on, on creating a, a, a diff, different picture than that, so, I think it takes time that that kind of time to build up that that trust but it's uh, it's like say for instance if you went in like yourself to a county or a leech or myself where I'm stepping out a leech. you kind of you don't want to go in straight away maybe and huddle up and, and putting your arms around telling me you love them or telling me you have an emotional connection with yeah. you might want to be a bit more not frosty but you might want to be a little bit stand back until you reach that epiphany moment where you've worked hard over a period and you can say Jesus oh, I really feel otherwise you'd be like a tour guide You know, ramping out the same stuff everywhere you go. And I think sometimes fellas, you know, can see through that. But look, that's only just like I'm. Speaking very the
1: you know? Yeah, but it's 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 probably though about that developing that kind of connection eventually, you mm. know, and mm. and that's not going to happen in the first week or a couple yeah. of weeks, and it is like trying mm. to build up trust, and and that's the same thing whether it's whether that's intercounty or it's or it's your local under fourteen team, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what level it is, it, the principle is the same. If 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 you are showing them that you're there for for them and 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 not for your own kind of ego, as you mentioned, and you build up that trust, then then that connection and that sense of, of, uh, of, well, this is a good place to be and it's a good environment it's a positive place to learn and to yeah. play and enjoy, then that's, that's, that's what you're looking for in sports and try and keep these kids playing longer and, and have a, have a more sustainable experience through sport, I suppose, really. Um, just, just in terms of maybe some of the challenges. You no, know, and again, it doesn't have to be personal to the Waterford situation, but for coaches in general, like, what are what are some of the kind of stumbling blocks or challenges that that you've come across that, you know, that people maybe you know can can pick out and, and, and be more aware of, I suppose. Yeah, great question. Now, um,
0: yeah, I think the first one is your own your own your own personality. Like, you know, sometimes can be the first stumbling point, if you like that. I talked about it already, so I won't go into it too much in terms of. You're absolute immersion in it to the point where where you know you become not overly emotionally involved, but you just kind of want it so much, and you can want something so much that actually you can hinder your 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 natural kind of or, or the development of the team. And getting that balance right is important, and and I think that's that's one obstacle. I think second one is is a very obvious one from a business and from a you know a team point of view. The clarity and the transparency needed with the relationship with those people around you, like so your partnerships, like with board, you know the alignment that's needed, like suppose, You know, in terms of just I talked about the growth mindset already. You know that that kind of where's this going, like and what's the big picture here? And as I said, when you say big picture to kind of maybe local scribes or local journalists or or maybe even local supporters, to kind of they might see it, but it's it's inculcating those that big picture values, your team to the board, to supporters, and finding a an way to kind of, and this sounds wrong, but to put a spin on that almost, to put, not a spin, but put reality on that with where you want to go and what you want to achieve. Mm. Take the situation in Leinster football, even mm. with, the, with the Dublin argument. And, and look, what, what, what are our goals? Where do we want to go? Like, what, what, what's achievable? What are our learnings? What can we celebrate small successes? Like you know, Even as I said with the Leash Miners last year, despite being well beaten by a really good off team, you know, will some of them come through? Will they benefit from what they were taught, what they taught me as well? And, you know, their, their learnings along the way and they have a different more during it. So, I think uh, partnership and alignment with the goals. I think also the, the realisation, I suppose, the obstacles and a realisation by people within clubs and, and schools and, and counties, I suppose, and in county boards that you know, that balance between tradition and and innovation and trade change, I think I referred to it actually in the conference there some years ago, the fusion of those ideas. So, you know, like for instance, in De La Salle, you, you know Joey Carton. Well. Joey's a great visionary, right? Joey, a number of years ago, we moved grounds up to Grace Dew. And at the time, we are going kind to of say, this is a big move. Like, and we had one field in the heart of Water City and we are just moving three or four miles up. And Joey had a vision, and everyone just came in behind that vision. And of course, you get kind of maybe dissenting voices, people saying, "I wonder, should we or should me. But the, the point I'm supposed to make in the overall picture is that even during the peaks and troughs along that journey, we have realised that it was the right thing to do, no matter how you're going. And I think that's getting all people on on that kind of wavelength is 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 difficult, you know. Mm. And if, you know, it's difficult to get that alignment with with, with everybody because someone else might pick up the reins of, of, of your failings even, if you like to call them failings or your ill look or your whatever. And the next person comes in will be, be able to kind of build on those particular stages. I and mean, I think getting yourself into a mindset where it doesn't really matter about the next person. It, it more matters about the big thing, the big picture, I suppose. And look, that's that sounds obvious, but I think good leadership will percolate down eventually is what I mean. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, it might be the first year after, but it'll eventually yeah. percolate down. They said, "Geez, you know what? Those principles are important, and they, they they found their way down in terms of preparation. We take out this, we use this, and I think if you meet good people with that particular vision at the top level above you, working with you, you know, even a simple thing like you know, you know, a realization that that young lads have changed. You know, you know, you're talking about mental health, you talk about the whole area of of well-being, and I know." Some people argue that it's overused, you know, and I still argue. That I have a 15-year-old here and a seven-year-old, and you're trying to get the balance between, you know, looking after his health, mental health, but also, I don't say, I'm not saying making him tough, but kind of, you know, yeah, like 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 I, I spoke earlier on. Like my father and mother never said to me, "I love you, David." You know? <laughs> it just wouldn't yeah. have happened, you know. They never. Yeah. Whereas I say to my seven-year-old now, who's a bit of a, a bit of a tyrant now. My seven-year-old, and that's probably a, you know he's. <laughs> He's lively, shall we say, yeah, right? Yeah. And but I'd often say going to bed at night, and I, This is an indirect way of asking but answer the question. He's over I'm proud of you, I said, proud of you, you know, and I love you. And I say, Jesus, if you could maybe tone down on, on you know what you're doing in school with the lads. You no. Know? So you're yeah. trying to whereas that might have existed like even 15 years ago, you know. When I I'm 44 and I'm 45 in May, so I'm going, sorry, it didn't exist twenty-five years ago, is what I mean, more than anything, or even 30 years ago. The point I make, I suppose, is that. A realization at, at all levels that hang on, these fellas have changed, young society has changed. They yeah. want the information. Yeah. You know, I got I got an awful hammer on, on a Sunday game a couple of years ago where I said, Do you believe I think I think actually these young fellows thrive on the information? They actually love getting information from coaches. And they like the feedback and they you know, and, and that was my experience of it. That they didn't actually they wanted the kind of instruction and they wanted feedback. Yeah. Of course they wanted to live it as well, but that balance is important to me.
1: Yeah, they absolutely want. They absolutely want feedback. See, like you, you, you mentioned it there a couple of minutes ago about. Um you know the, the the view of the manager being the guy that's you know demanding that players give up their lives to play the sport or whatever interestingly like we we wanted to shut down a couple of weeks ago to to give fellas a break just because because of the uncertainty of when you're going to play when you're going to train it's very difficult for players to to remain focused and motivated you know when when you have that uncertainty but it was the players that came back and said no like we don't want to shut down we want to continue doing what we're doing because it's given us a really positive Focal point to our week to be able to say no. I, I've got my three sessions done. I've I've lifted this weight and I've gone up on, on, on what I'm supposed to do and um and they've and, and they've taken that as a real positive thing because they've been they've been given it I suppose to drive and they, and they want to drive it themselves. But it just backs up maybe what you were saying about that that, that narrative that's out there about it's the it's the manager is the one driving the whole thing when really it's the players are craving it. Like they want the information. They want the, the support to try and be as 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 good as they can possibly be I suppose really you know um, yeah. Just uh, and and the Jason and Sherlock there a couple of weeks ago as well mentioned you you mentioned there just the way that good leadership percolates down there mightn't be an immediate thing and it might be a year or two or whatever he spoke about that idea of delayed gratification as well as uh, you know as a coach that that maybe you're not the one that that will benefit from you know the the, the title or, or from the work that you're after doing right now but that that longer term view is is obviously the way it's going and, and you would obviously you obviously subscribe to that kind of a, a view as well.
0: Yeah, and look, that's... I think that's not without its natural uh, human nature difficulties, you mm. know, and I, if I can explain it's right, like, 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 take, for instance, my, my father was very ill now at Christmas, so, the, you know, and I, I, I kind of... With with the, with, with the compliance of, of RTE and the examiner, I kind of pulled out of my duties that were... You know, not duties, but, you know, I, I, I they've been very good to me, both Tony Lean and, and Declan McBennett and RTE, so I just... My father, as I said, was, was terminally ill, and we didn't know so... But it was an interesting dynamic, heading even the week of the All Ireland this year. You know, the two weeks in that, you know, you've had this massive emotional uh, link to the players, and and you're a year out of the job. But there was still a, a hint of, geez, I'd love to be there. You know, I, yeah. think, I think people first, the first part of of you know the whole idea of what 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 Jason ta- talked about in terms of gratification is 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 kind of a realisation that this is natural, you know, the mm. feel is. Because, like, I'm teaching with Philip Mann, you know, for instance, and I'd be good friends with the brick, uh, brick that, and I was thinking, Jesus, the brick is, the brick, it was in the first year he stepped away from it, they're going to win it, they're going to get over the right. line, you know, and, and it's, you know, but there wasn't a hint of regret, it was just a, a weird kind of feeling. And Philip was teaching me, and he had opted out at the start of the year, and I was saying to, say to Philip, how are you feeling? And he was he was saying, look, I'm all in for the lads, but, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit kind of I'd like to be there. But I think the realization that these things are natural, so yeah, so I think the longer you're away from it, this is my year three away from it. Mm. I'm definitely better than I was the first year, yeah. But the first year I, it was never a stage. I'm a water man, I played with water, I played with club. There's never a stage you're not shouting for water, but the natural inclination is to kind of want to be involved, of course, yeah. And I think that I think the first step in that, if anyone says otherwise, I think they're. They're being dishonest. You know, I, I saw yeah. Gara had a brilliant article this year about when he started working for RTE and, and he'd beat he, New Zealand for the first time mm. um, and he, was, he wasn't he was involved and he was kind of raging that he wasn't involved. And I think he was just really honest. So would I be absolutely thrilled for the lads and for Liam Cahill and the boys to get over there on the courses? Would it be a little bit inside me saying, geez, I'd love to be there on the, on the end of the steps there to the Hogan stand Jesus of course Absolutely, yeah. of
1: course. Yeah, it's only only natural. Like, and that's that's, and, and like you said, anybody who's telling you that that that, that it's not the case, then they're either a robot or they're telling you lies. But yeah. um, maybe just to just to, I, and I want I'm not going to keep you all all day, and I appreciate not your thought. time, obviously, Derek. But just uh, in terms of of how how you have seen coaching change from your days when you were when you were a player first of all, playing minor with Waterford and, and your club and whatever, to what maybe your last experience, well with Waterford and obviously with Leash and, and, and through the school and stuff. How how have you seen that coaching journey evolve maybe in, in that period of time?
0: Well to practicalise it, I suppose, if you go to even ninety eight when I was involved or ninety four I suppose, I was involved with Minors. It was very, very simple and straightforward. I don't think we stretched to, to 98. Like in terms of just even <laughs> physical components, if you want right. to be honest, because in 98, I think there was one or two guys on, on the panel with mobile phones. So that'll give you an idea as to Gareth. So yeah. I was in UCD in 98. I remember I think there was only one guy on the panel with a mobile phone. But, um, <laughs> so I know that's not the answer to the question, but I'll just give you an idea. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's, but I think back in the day, then it was in 98, it was the first kind of encounter with. with, with Science, I suppose. In that, we we did what was called a neutron diet at the time in, in Waterford '98, and it was you got a blood test, and you were given tolerant and intolerant foods, and it fell off you in a couple of weeks. And of course, if you were partial to the bit of, to, to the bad grub like myself, once it was off you, and you went back then, sort sure, of was kind of a it was yeah. back to the normal then in terms of the, in terms of the snack boxes, etc. But anyway, so uh, yeah, but I remember it was a bit of science, but it was still back in the day, and it was kind of what I call Miko O'Dwyrish, it was laps, it was huge amount of running sprints mm. and matching training, if you like. And nowadays, I suppose, it's a lot more kind of scientifically kind of based. with Watford. It was kind of, we might have, you know, collective sessions earlier in the year, you're, the usual thing, you're building up stamina, it might be repeated runnings, it might be kind of, you might have a segmented training where you're working on skills in one end, forwards, or working here, backs, or working here. So it's evolved hugely. And obviously game-based is the, is the fad, if you like. But I, I think there's still room for, and I think I actually heard yourselves and Keane O'Neill uh, on a podcast of the Examiner talking about coaching and dinner like, during last year. I could be wrong. It was, so anyway, it could be Keane O'Neill where they talked about that need for skill development still, you know. you know. So I go back to the, 90, the early 90s where the two of us were just poking them twos across the field and then we go into a match or the forwards are out at the top of the field, actually behind the goal or poking it over the bar we come out, manager says something, we have a match, we go home. I still think there's room for the integration of, you know, just, you know, simple enough striking drills allied to the science, allied to the savagery, allied to the game stuff. I, I think it's your overall plan. I still think there's there's an important emphasis that needs to be put on, on those all those being developed um, depending on what way you want to go about it, if you like. But I... I um, mm. You know, I, I'm always interested in the debate between science and, and savagery, you know, mm-hmm. because like, we would have trained a couple of years on Christmas Day with Watford and people were saying, oh Jesus, this is madness. But we felt, A, we felt we needed a bit of a psychological edge, and B, the lads liked a bit of racing on Stephen's Day and wherever, Town or whatever. So we just, it freed them up. We, we kind of would yeah. predict until the 3rd of January and we'd say, right, let's enjoy a few beers over Christmas, Stephen's Night and, we had an age group of lads that were going to be going out anyway between the 26th and and the yeah, 2nd yeah. of January. So we say, look, we will get our session in now. You will enjoy it. You get a good hinty, a good feel good about it, and they loved it. You know, I know that sounds, but it's it's. Um, I, I think that that that. You no, know, your relationship with the SSC court. How do you get that right? You know, you know. You look at the really good, the Limerick setup. It looks a very obvious alignment between. Kinnear, Coyley, and Mikey Coyley, and Joe O'Connor before him, and in Dublin, Brian Cullen and Gavin and Desi Farrell The hand down seem to be really good, you know. And the, mm. but but I think that the, the right of a coach or a manager to to be able to read where the team are and where they need to go.
1: I think that can't be. Ignored either, you know. Yeah. So you know, I think that's yeah. And 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 the like you you mentioned. I, I I can remember. I think yeah, Keane O'Neill. I was having a chat with Keane O'Neill, and uh, I can't remember who else was there. Now maybe Tony McIntyre or, or somebody. But um, right. and it it was kind of about like the the idea of of the the games based approach and and. Um, like, again, I, I would agree that I don't think like drills now are getting a, a, a bad name, you know, yeah. like, the, like there's something really bad with drills. Uh, and, and the way I always view the drill idea was was that, you know, it, it's like going, it's like, you go to the drills if you need to go to the doctor and you need to fix something you know if you can if you can show up and you can play a game like you're talking about and the, and the game is going really well whatever whatever sport it is if if all the skills have been executed really well well then that's fine you you stay with your games and you keep mixing up your games and you go different numbers and different whatever and you can you know do all that that's great but if if the kicking is really poor if the shooting is really poor the striking whatever it is then then there's no problem going to a drill for 5 or 10 minutes and say let's let's specifically work on this one point to see if we can improve it, be really conscious about it, and then we let's go back to the game again and let's go. The, the problem with it was that that traditional idea of, of GA was probably becoming more of a drills-based activity and training rather than a games-based. Um, and, and like of all the research that's there now would suggest that if you want to keep kids playing, you need to service their need for for actually playing the game and whether that's in training or giving them time during matches they need to play and and, and that's probably that's probably that the whole prevalence of the games based like you you mentioned that um you know the, it's a fad or or it's a, it's the new it's the new thing i think but it's mm-hmm. it's it's certainly it's certainly a powerful tool for for people in clubs if they want people to keep coming and enjoy what they're doing it is to try and give them more of the game during their training isn't it
0: yeah and i think the conference the year after I was involved in the conference, there was a guy there from the Belgian FA who talked about kind of what Belgium had, had done to become the number one team in the world, even just in terms of game space stuff and developing subtly the integration of tactics or shape within, you know, your game space. So even, so I'm involved with the under eights now with Dele Salle, club, and, 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 um, just to make sure that my young is hitting the threes in the pennies. Only... <laughs> <I'm> only... <laughs> it's, it's stopping him hitting fellas over the head. Anyway. But, anyway, um, yeah, but, but, but even I took that from him where sometimes we might have a you know, five-a-side and they're all chasing the ball and he just said, she's put one one on either goal and put one against one out in the middle. And, you know, and get get them playing in smaller numbers and mm. then all of a sudden you might have a, you know, for instance, you might have a, you know, six playing together, six playing together and then all of a sudden you might, say, right, these are your six backs, and you might look at subtly integrating the shape that the team wants to play And If you're playing with a sitting centre-back or a wing-back that's attacking, you know, you might be able to do it in a manner where it becomes kind of almost, you know, part of their normal kind of development. And I think that's where, I think that's a good thing that coaching will go that way if it's subtly introduced. Even, even you know what, I, mean, I was thinking even in terms of, I'm involved with my own senior club this year and my own club giving a the hand there. And... Uh, you know, even some of the runs that they might be doing over it, that you'd run in the shape that would kind of be similar so that it's kind of become ingrained. You know, sometimes the, the old movie, The Karate Kid, where he's playing the fence, it's a, it sounds like a mad kind of analogy in terms of the building blocks of, of learning things. But sometimes there can be very subtle ways of of learning things that can be applicable then as they go through the years. And I think that's, again, if, you have, if they have the patience to go... So to, to come back to your point about drills, you might have a situation with a a group of under a really talented group of under 15s that are down in in in, in Dallas or in Ballygon or whatever and you're doing you might do the drill as a starting point to the game like so you, you kind of or you might have a fallback we're not able to do the game so we'll go back to the drill to kind of to teach the kind of
1: basic of what we're trying to do so I think there's I still think there's room for mix and match yeah Mix and matches, absolutely yeah. There's no there's no problem there at once, and and like it's 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 just that issue if 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 a if a coach is running a session which is primarily a drills based activity you're you're not servicing the kids need for yeah. for that autonomy to to feel yeah. like they're really uh, engaged in the whole thing a little bit more and they're not really having you know a whole pile of ownership over it but you you just mentioned there that it was was a young fellow that mentioned just kind of about that small side of games like i was i remember a couple of months ago there was a two two clubs playing like smallies you no know, under eights or tens or whatever and and they were playing 12 a side like you know, 12 aside side at, at, at uh, under eights or tens or whatever, instead of just making two games, six aside, you know, small, very small practical yeah. things where, where guys are getting more touches and more decisions and, and more tackles and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and that's, that's all that kind of games based approach is just trying to, just trying to be novel with the game to make sure that they're, you're know, replicating what's happening in the match, obviously with, with, um, with those numbers, but um, just in terms of, just in terms of, of, of maybe your own improvement, Derek, since you started coaching, like if there was something, you know, something significant there or, or since you started coaching, something you'd love to have back, you know, you say, like, look back 20 years ago when I started coaching, Jesus Christ, if I could go back there and change that, I, I'd love to, because now I've I, I've got a very different perspective on on that whole idea. Yeah, cool. another good
0: question. Yeah, it's um, first of all, I'd be less sensitive, I think. You know, I, I, I can be sensitive enough. I and think and sensitivity is not a bad thing either because it kind of, you Know there's a thing called positive paranoia where you're, you have you feel like you have a level of emotional intelligence to kind of see things happening before they happen, yeah. but you don't know everything, you know. So you kind of just yeah. kind of read a situation, and say, geez, I don't think I don't think um, Mike was happy going home from training, so so I think I'd be less sensitive, I think, as well. And again, this is just very, I suppose, if I personalize it to, to an example of, of even you know the All-Ireland, if you like, we lost the All-Ireland in, in 17, you know, and I know this is not, and I'd say to myself, what what, what would I have done differently in terms of even prep or, um, you know, Connor I, I just, I remember Connor Gleeson was, was suspended for the final and we'd gone through a very, very rigorous process to try and free, I suppose, or get time to it to play the semi-final. DRA from DCC to our hey, the hearings committee to DRA, lost the community, thing Thursday night, and we didn't feel we'd have much of a chance with Connor, I suppose, but I preached a lot about inclusivity and us being a spirited all-as-one group and we just gave up on the Connor one straight away. We didn't kind of, you know, if I, you know, so I talk about principles and honesty and togetherness and fighting on our backs for one. And I just felt we should have, we should have kind of seen it out with Connor all the way to the DRA. All be it, I kind of weighed up the likelihood of him winning the, the case is, is kind of, slim but and, and the hassle that will surround it for the two week build up will kind of dominate so I did, they were the kind of other things that were on yeah. the other side of my brain but I, I, overall I kind of think and also so that's one element in terms of improvement in terms of the real even though I was thinking I think I really needed to go back to what we were about and what we stood for to, to back this man and the power of backing this man might have helped us even if he hadn't got off if you like right Yeah. and the second thing would be I probably on a personal level in 17 when we won the semi-final, playing in a manner we scored like 31 points 419, and it was in a manner that I would have always wanted the team to play, like really just the perfect balance between you know, kind of expressing yourself and, and just structure, you know, and, mm. and just just loved it. And I almost kind of let myself allow myself a kind of a couple of days of kind of you know, his shoulders back, and you know, yeah. kind of way. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know. So, so, I just allowed myself to to kind of, kind of, you know, have a moment, if you like. And I think, at the same time, I'd say Mihal and I'd be good friends with Mihal and the Garvey fellas were. They had an edge, like you know, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: we just lost the edge in four or five days of of, you know. And I, I was interested. I saw Lean Cal remark last week that he felt Water weren't going well the week before this year's early, and I would have. Mm-hmm. I would have felt we didn't go well, and I I would have felt responsible. I I kind of allowed myself a little. Now I know you have to do that, but I read a really good book, um, "Hunger in Paradise." Okay, Erasmus Eriksson, or or, or, I think it is anyway. And there's a chapter in it, like as well. It's it's called like it's called "Never Trust Success and Burn Your Trophies," and just keeping the edge, you know, just keeping the edge. And Tom, I I looked at that, and Tom Brennan, from his business perspective, and even his help in sporting circles were there's an edge there the whole time, like The next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Not in a greedy way, or just in a way where that just keeps him extremely motivated. So, yeah, they're, they're the lessons for me that when you have your moment, like, you kind of, Jesus, you know. I, I remember even, for instance, the 2017, even you know, when we lost it, I was on the banquet afterwards, and everyone was saying, oh, we hope you stay there. And, I knew I was going to stay, but I left to kind of go for a couple of weeks almost. It became a bit self, not self-centred, but you know, I was kind of, Playing a cute game, you know
1: what
0: I mean? Yeah. And I think yeah. if you get cute, you're in bother. You know, I think it's, you know, if you get cute, you know, that's the time to go when you start getting, you know what I mean by cute. I mean, kind of just, you kind of start thinking, Do you know, what? I'll leave this play out for a few weeks. and yeah. now, you'd be thinking of others, you'd be thinking, the lads will get a good holiday and everything will be looked after. They might go back in. But, but you're thinking of yourself a small bit And I think when you get to that stage, you, you should just throw yourself back in. So, they're the lessons for me, I suppose. And I think they're the lessons for anyone in life or in business.
1: Yeah, and they're very personal things, obviously, and 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 mm. from your own experiences, that's 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 uh, that's powerful stuff. Maybe maybe just Eric from uh, for for new coaches, maybe starting out who who are after like yourself, maybe they're they're gone down to the field now with their uh, with their own young lad or young girl who's who's starting out and they're, and they're interested in getting involved in coaching. Like any any kind of message, I suppose, for for people at that side of the journey where they're really only only beginning to to find their feet in it.
0: I think the first thing is there's a lot of people that get involved in coaching that have uh, that have no experience of the game and they, they spend a lot of their life trying to explain themselves as to why you know I look I don't really know much about it they kind of nearly they nearly start the conversation with that so I think mm. the first step is you can know the game like and be a student of the game and love the game and be passionate about the coaching of it even if you haven't had a huge experience of playing the game and I, we meet yeah. a lot of them in our club I know we we'll leave that off to Derek we leave that off to you or no so I think that's the first step kind of a a confidence step where coaches can be coached and step forward and kind of say no I'm able to from a second level I think is is and I think this is is happening which is no pigeonholing in terms of the positioning or or playing or and we've mentioned it already games based total hurling like you know he's the goalie go back in the years we were lined up in the direction 1, 2, three, four, five. I still do that sometimes we sell or in it we were lined up on the field the full back line except no pigeon holding in hurling and this is only just a person get the ball up with your hand as fast as you can as a guy even a younger person so that means even hurling your right hand or if you're left handed hurling the left hand ball in the right hand running around with the ball in hand and getting used to just running around with the ball in hand because you know hitting the ball on the ground oh, it's grand and it's, it's a skill that has to be developed and I'm not knocking how the game was played it was a brilliant game when I was like that but it has changed and I think it's going to evolve even more in terms of But I think I I, think I said in the last three or four All-Ireland's I think the ball was hit on the ground four times in four All-Ireland's you know, you know like it was tipped to the side before it was picked up that's a different thing But so get it get it in your hand and run around with it it, it increases the whole idea of vision and you know and, and, and then just have a randomness to what you're doing down there in terms of the, the hurling like you know that that yeah you can integrate the, the proper swing and the and no, my young here is is seven. he loves Star Wars right he absolutely loves Star Wars and he plays a bit of hurling without being mad into it mm. but I, I'm I watch him playing with lightsabers here and they, I know this sounds crazy now this sounds like I'm completely really off the wall here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he uses a bit of a hoover and a lightsaber kind of to pretend kind of flight. he has yeah. a good imagination anymore. but he picks up the hurling love, or the, the lightsaber lovely. almost like Patrick Horgan now, in full flight and I kind of say to myself, this fella now is going to be all right when he gets yeah. the hurling. You know, so yeah. you'd be surprised if you can even be sharp enough to see things at home. Yeah. You know, I know Pat Pat Lamb did it with the slitter or the rugby ball. Get the ball in their hands. Simple games at home. You know, throw the ball at the skittles. In- integrate all them into your hurling for five and six shows when you're down the field. And before you know it, those skills will become part of their whole being. So, look, I, that's a again, It's a, probably a... Off the wall answer, but, but no, I
1: you know, no. And, and and like no, that, that that idea of of you know, like I spoke about it maybe last week or the week before, that the idea of specialization always is is kind of dying away. Like that for every for every one Tiger Woods who who only plays golf, you know, every every hour of his life, there's millions of other people who are who are, who are like sampling loads of different sports, like a Roger Federer who are, who are playing soccer basketball and football, and then suddenly they find their path when they get to 16, 17 years of age, you know, and and, and actually. Mike, on that you, you probably know Angela Duckworth spoke great, right? Mm. He actually
0: talks about the science behind sampling, mm. but you know as regards like how it's no coincidence without picking you up, like you, you look at the hands like Burke and Anna he has have over the years in terms of basketball and the influence. You know, you know Sherlock or Ingle or all those guys that were brought in over the years with different and 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 different kind of perspectives on things and how they see the screening and all those. I see it in my own school here. Brother Tom just has a brilliant idea of being able to see things that other people can't see. You know, even mm. when we play a five-a-side in our top, he's just, you know, it just great vision. But the point I'm making, I suppose, is that without knocking my my upbringing and I had a brilliant upbringing, you know, um, you know, I think sampling the sports and sampling at all levels and being able to kind of say, I'm taking a bit from this, and you'd be surprised what they pick up from each. Other. I think it's a, it's brilliant for them.
1: Yeah, and there, and there is huge crossover now between the games, and and that's that's great. And the more exposure, without without having them up seven nights a week, is uh, is is giving giving them time to play with the lightsaber and stuff is obviously yeah, uh, yeah, oh, geez, is a big sorry. part of it. You know, but um, come here, just I uh, we're we're nearly there. Just in the, in terms of like, and, and you've probably answered this in one way in in, in terms of you you studying a, a masters right now, but uh, how how like your own improvement, like Derek, how, what are you doing? Or what do you try to do to, to 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 stay to stay current and to stay knowledgeable and, and to keep improving yourself as a as a coach? Well, I'm I'm
0: I'm trying to get a bit of weight then. First of all, I mean, that was my first. <laughs> you know, I'm so, you right. know I'm just trying to that, no, just in physically. I was supposed to, I was trying to. You know, physically i am trying to improve, I suppose. Without becoming one of these guys that's gonna appear now with a head of hair and a set of white teeth and <laughs> I'm not gonna be you know you know, I still have my deficiencies, I'm aware of my limitations. But I, yeah. I you know, I I think from a physical element, I think I am trying to improve. I'm taking I've less procrastination, you know, so I I'm I would have, you know, you know, procrastinated a bit over the years off, or kind of war for kinda left things on the long finger. So mm. that's that's one improvement area, like answering the phone, getting back to people a little bit quicker and just, you know, that kind of area. And I think, I think of what I'd be better is time management into the future. Like, you know, if I got involved, I would go to, not to Jim Galvin route, but early morning, if I had anything to deal with a player, I'd you know, I'd be trying to bang it out between half six maybe and nine o'clock or half eight. Mm-hmm. And You know, we, we had a kind of a, a, a saying in for that we came up with, like, you know, got Road, got Law. We were saying everything every day, but no matter what we do. Like, so... And I read a good book, Pete Carroll's book, he's actually the Seahawks called mm. You know Live Forever. And he kind of has a similar mantra, like where you, you know, everything you do at a given time. So when you're playing with the lightsabers, you're giving that everything. Mm-hmm. So my learnings and my improvement areas will come around the whole area of time management, they say. And you know, being able to kind of, you know, be the best at what I'm doing at that given moment. So when I like I, I for instance, I took parental leave when I was over Waterford. And uh, you know, I think I'd be well able now to kind of teach. You know, I I have my yeah. notes on a computer now for teaching. It's not a matter of press and play, but i will be able to teach. i will be able to take a team, yeah. and i will be able to give a hand down the club. You know, so Saturday morning, after for the seven to nine year olds. When I'm down there and giving it everything, I've a WhatsApp group for the parents. I'll give that everything, or you know, or, or nine to eleven, whatever time.
1: Yeah. If
0: my younger has to go to soccer, then I will bring him to soccer, and then in the afternoon, I'm you know I'm, I'm saying I'm going for a walk a walk with with Sarah or. You know, and then the yeah. evening on training. So I, it's I suppose the management of the week would be a lot better. So they'd be the main kind of things that I hope to improve on. And and the psychology course is is as much the kind of re-emphasize what you might know from from instinct or gut. Mm. Then mm. also, as I said earlier on, the mechanically minded fellas in the panel, the fellas that they want the, the data and the numbers and they yeah. want the science. It it upskills you in that area to be able to say you know, you hear a lot about performance psychology now, and it's an area I've just been interested in for mm. years without being qualified in the area. And I was kind of saying to myself, geez, I must try and get the qualification in the yeah. area. And um, so I just look at I'm pursuing that over, over the next year and a half, I suppose. And I, look, I, I'm into it. I, I like it. And as I say, but I still, there's lots I wouldn't use in it, you know? Yeah. But lots I kind of, you know, because I think it's not gimmicky, but there's some parts of it that you kind of, you just need to get it right for the group that's in front of you. You know, I think that's the key thing there. Whatever group are in front of the age group or profile or where they are psychologically. and um, I think that's important to kind of bear in mind.
1: But it's it's even the, the pursuit of the information though no, and and, and then you know the pursuit of that knowledge is like you know, inadvertently you're you're picking up stuff that's going to that's going to not only improve your coaching. That's great if it does that, and obviously, but it'll improve you as a as a person and and, and what you're doing, which is which is uh, which is very very commendable. Uh, I, I'm going to wrap it up, Derek, with with um, with just if there's anything if there's anything maybe that 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 I haven't touched on that you think would be an important kind of a a message for coaches. Again, again, just being conscious that. I know, I know. There's people here that are cricket coaches and basketball and everything. So, is there any kind of any kind of powerful kind of coaching thing that you just feel that maybe we haven't touched on that you'd like to finish with?
0: Oh, I really got gotten into most things. I suppose, I suppose, an area I touched on, which is which is the area of of diversity. I suppose and cognitive diversity, where you have a team of people. So, in a business or in a cricket, you know, management team or a Gaelic football management team, and I think the importance of not having a kind of a a deliberate maverick or a deliberate kind of you know creative genius that's outside the bubble of your thinking, but, but almost if you do have one, the inculcation of that into your thinking and the ma- and the players thinking and how can you use that and and I think that that's important. Right? That that kind of don't be afraid to kind of put two things together that are seemingly kind of. Not in, not in harmony, like not, yeah. not in symmetry. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's, and I think I, I've learned that now with, with even my relationship with, with, with Tom or my relationship with people over the years that like, like, like I, I give, take even Dan over the years. Dan, you, you see Dan, he has the hat turned backwards. He has the tattoos and people with, you know, the, the mob, if you like, would say, geez, I say Dan is a gas man with the tattoos or he's into this or he's into that. And he's a former hurler of the year you know, three-time All Star. If he mentioned All Stars or holiday of Years in our dressing room once in the five years, I'd say mm. it's a lot. Mm. You know, or if he, you meet this more, this affable, quite kind of, mm. and this fellow who shows you like, this is me now, and you can take me as I am, and mm. I, I'm not going to want worry about what people say if I have a tattoo or if I'm in a hat turned backwards or, you know, guys that are into fashion or, you know, and guys that are into different things, and. Then, yeah. I think that's where it's, not where it's going, but I think a realisation from a coach's point of view, that in business, like you may have this, I'd imagine a business, there's lots of people probably that are, maybe they're lazy, okay, and in, in, in a club situation, you might have, we'd have plenty of lads in the club now and I've probably fit to that packet over the years as a player now that when you're getting near the end, you're to get a bit lazy, you know, Yeah, and you're not yeah. making the runs, but yet you might have a bit, you might have a, you might have a moment, didn't you? You know, you might <laughs> you might have a kind of a you know a moment of a little pass or a dean, like yeah, a little spark. You might act as a catalyst for something. And I think the balance between allowing those to continue in that manner or changing their behaviours to suit team ethic or the team dynamic that's a kind of a fine line and has to be yeah. kind of really transparent. And the last message, and I'll finish with this, is there's times in coaching where you have to be completely open and transparent and there's other times where you have to be confidential and I think Mm. I think the boys need to know that like you know not not they need to know about what's happening confidentially but they need to know that they need to see the balance that what you're trying to do and I'd I'd say that applies to employees as well.
1: Yeah, the trust that that yeah if it's to be confidential it's confidential yeah. Yeah. Uh, Derek that's brilliant man I I I, geez I appreciate your time now we've probably gone a little bit over and I hope I haven't kept you later or anything but um, again uh, I I suppose I mentioned it in the introduction but just that uh, I I started doing this Derek for Temple Street Children's Hospital so that uh, if, if if people that are listening um you know, enjoy that content, which I'm sure you did. Uh, I again, I'm just asking people to share it around the place. And anybody who hasn't donated, if if they could donate any couple of euros to, to Temple Street Children's Hospital, obviously it would be it would be uh, very appreciated by them. So, uh, Derek, again, th- thanks a million for your for your time, man. I really really appreciate it. Okay.